1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Sunday evening. You will hear this, of course, on Monday morning, and the Cubs took the game against the Atlanta Braves that we previewed, and they also took two of three in Philadelphia. So this tough stretch of the season is off to a rather swimming start. Brendan, as the Cubs do really good work against some really good teams and a couple of really good pitchers over the course of these four games. So we will look at those four games. We will preview the upcoming big set, I suppose, with the Milwaukee Brewers, Uh, though if you're looking at the standings, perhaps not as big as the Brewers would have hoped. And then we will talk about everything in between, including, as you guys already know, the ongoing Javi Baez show, which we are all privileged to be a part of. But let's run through uh, the Atlanta game and these three in Philadelphia real quick for you, and then we will get into the meat of this podcast. Starting in Atlanta, the Cubs travel to make up a rain delay game, and they beat Mike Fultenowich. I might have said it differently when I did the preview, but we're going with that for now. Yeah, you messed it up. Fultinevich, Corey. Fultinevich. Okay. I don't know why we're trusting Brendan here, but I'll, we'll go with it for now. Uh, the Cubs— I'm pretty right about that, though. But go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the Cubs winning this one. They led this game 3-1 to one in the third inning, but a three-run fifth from the Atlanta Braves put the Braves on top 4-3. to three. And guys, we've done this before, so I think you trust us when we say this. It's all a part of the plan. We ripped Tommy LaStella, said he shouldn't be on the team. <laughs> Can't wait to get him out of here. You're welcome, everybody. Two-run, pinch hit, home run. Cubs win 5-2-4, just like we planned it,
0: Brendan. Of course. We always have a strategy. It's always in the best interest of the Cubs, Corey. We, we know what we're doing here. Absolutely. So that was pretty
1: much the story here. A a huge at bat from Tommy Estella. And one of those instances, and and we talked about this, even though we were hard on him, that, you know, that is something he's really good at, even though it's a difficult position to to come in and be hot like that off the bench. Uh, But a huge, huge at bat, obviously, for Tommy Estella here. And the Cubs win this one in Atlanta. Going to Philadelphia on Friday, not much doing in this one. The Phillies' eventually winning this one on an Asdrubo cabrera walk-off home run to win two to one javi baez at the time his 29th of the year were was the only run for the chicago cubs jose quintana was really good in this game and unfortunately the cubs couldn't make it stand for him six innings three hits one earned one walk and seven strikeouts for jose so a really solid outing for him continuing uh, the stretch of really good starting pitching for the Chicago Cubs. And before I forget, uh, Mike Montgomery, uh, not great in his return to the rotation, but still good to see him out there. Four and a third, eight hits, four earned, one walk, and six strikeouts. So good to see Mike getting those whiffs only in four and a third. Uh, and I think as he eases his way back into the swing of things, should be uh, some better numbers there. On Saturday, the Cubs' offense breaking out, and they were spurred, Brendan, by those beautiful eyes, that beautiful smile. It's Chris Bryant, folks. He is back in the lineup. He is back in our lives. And I got to tell you, Brendan, the sun shines brighter. Flowers smell better. Everything is just better when Chris Bryant is in the Chicago Cubs lineup and healthy. He hit fifth, On Saturday, the Cubs starting their lineup with Daniel Murphy, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Ben Zobrist, Chris Bryant, and Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I am uh, in for that. Color me in for that lineup. Kyle Hendricks was very good in this game, going six innings, six hits, one earn, two walks, and four strikeouts. And after the game, I believe Kyle quoted as saying he has never felt as locked in as he does right now. Now, So that is always something to uh, be excited about, and he's certainly showing it uh, on the field. Cubs getting their seven runs in this one, beating Zach Eflin of the Phillies, a Javi Baez single and a Ben Zobris double in the first, a Kyle Schwarber triple in the third, his uh, first of two triples on the weekend, as the Cubs would hit a few triples in the span of only three games, which was uh, quite something. Ian Happ his 14th homer of the year, a David Bodie double, and a Javi Baez single made it seven to one, and that was the story there. And those that Baez RBI in the ninth did set the stage as we move into Sunday. The Cubs winning seven to one on Saturday, eight to one on Sunday. They beat Aaron Nola. So in a span of four days, they beat two of the better pitchers in the National League in Fultenowich, I might have changed it again, and Aaron Nola. Ugh. So a very impressive week now for the Chicago Cubs as, again, they beat Noah Syndergaard, they win the game that Jacob deGrom starts, uh, and then they beat these two guys from the NL East over the weekend, uh, although I guess the Mets are also in the NL East. So. All the way count, though. Right. Yeah. Nobody cares about the Mets. Uh, all told a really impressive week for the Chicago Cubs. Um, you know, when you beat the Reds, Pirates, et cetera, you know, everybody, I think one of the common narratives is, can they beat good teams? Can they beat good pitching? Well, they just did both of those things. So, uh, this was a very strong week for the Chicago Cubs on Sunday. Ya boy, John Lester picking up W number 15. Six innings, eight hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. I say it all the time. When you see that zero in the walk column and that high strikeout total, you know these guys are on. Not as much of a display uh, from John Lester. You know, he wasn't doing it on the offensive side. No diving catches or pickoffs. So, a rather pedestrian <laughs> seven strikeout afternoon for John Lester, who lowers his ERA to 3.53. By the end of the month, here it will be a very impressive season for the 34 year old number 34, John Lester. The Cubs getting their runs in this one the first, a Daniel Murphy home run, the second, an Anthony Rizzo home run. And the third, the big one, a Javi Baez home run that gives him number 30 on the year and 100 RBIs. That will more than likely be our first topic here, so we will uh, jump into that a little more. Kyle Schwarber, as I mentioned before, another triple to make it 4 to nothing. A Rizzo single, a Hap double, and an Almora Jr. sack fly gives us eight, and the Phillies push across one in the ninth. Shocking that it came against Brandon Kinsler. but that was all she wrote. Lester beats Nola. Cubs win 8-1, and they take two of three in Philadelphia to bring us to this series in Milwaukee starting on Monday. So, Brendan, I will turn it to you. Some general thoughts on these four games, stuff that stood out, uh, and then we will probably kick
0: it into the Javi Baez show. I want to read a quote by Joe Madden that sums up everything we've seen over the last week or so. And the quote is starting, I'm telling you, Daniel Murphy here is really the separator. I know our run differential looks good, but for a while, they weren't really playing a wonderful offensive brand of baseball. More recently, we're getting back and quote, Corey. Chris Bryant getting back into this lineup. We saw it in Sunday's game. That entire game was just completely relentless. I know Noah what did he I think he struck out 7 of the first 9 guys, but after that they were fouling off pitches, working deep counts and they eventually they got to him. They didn't destroy him, but they put the Phillies in a position where they had to go to their bullpen early and the Cubs did with the Cubs usually did in 2016, and they wrecked the bullpen. They got the setter out early, they wrecked the bullpen. That was a prototypical 2016 offensive showing for the Cubs. I think that's what Madden was saying, too. But here's the scary part. With Murphy playing so well, with Javi continuing to basically put up an an MVP year, Bryant coming back, hopefully with complete health, Rizzo continues to just mash baseball scorey. And Ben Zobrist having one of the best uh, years of his career. This entire lineup is completely ridiculous, and I I don't know. I feel more comfortable just with the entire makeup of the offense, and I didn't even in 2016. So I'm, I'm I'm left from this series looking at wins, and just from this entire week against Foltinevich, against Syndergaard, against Degrom, against Aaron Nola, four guys who are in Cy Young discussions, Corey. This is an incredibly encouraging week going into the final month of the year, being five up, five and a half up of the Brewers and Cardinals. You couldn't ask for anything better, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the Cubs get a little help uh, from our friends
1: in Cincinnati taking down the Cardinals today. And things are looking good in terms of the NL Central. I, I think we talked about you know the position you might want to be in as you got to this Milwaukee series, depending on how it all shook out, and a five-game lead in the division over the second-place Brewers, five and a half over the third-place St. Louis Cardinals, and a six-game lead in the loss column over both of them is a really, really good place to be. And you know when you want to take a look at kind of the simple math, and we we kind of talked about this a little bit before. But you know you don't want to assume that the Cubs are going to play 500 baseball or something along those lines. But if they do, if they go 13 and 13, the 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 Brewers need to go 18 and six, and the Cardinals 19 and six to tie them. Is that really what it is?
0: 18 and six. That's that's I I am looking.
1: I am looking at our good friend
0: Evan Altman's Twitter, and that is what he puts up there. So Cubs Uh, 13 and 13, and then the Brewers 18 and six. Right. That, I mean, and yeah, the divisions you know, basically, look, you know. I, I mean, anything can happen, but <laughs> sure.
1: I think we're all not assuming the Cubs are going to play 500 baseball and, you know, whether it's 18 and six, 17 and seven, whatever it is, right? Like that's really good baseball for the Cardinals and Brewers. And you know that the Cubs are in there for both of them. So the Cubs will at least have the ability to prevent that from happening if they can't uh, perform well on their own so can i, can I make this, a bold statement of course i, okay. I love it when you make uh, bold statements
0: you know it's, it's rare i know but i think and i don't know where you are with you know your perspective but this may have been the best week of the season for the Cubs. uh all things considered when you look at getting chris bryant back healthy the news on brandon mario looks somewhat positive and murphy continues it just the entire makeup with the pitching the offense and getting healthy and where they are in the division may have been the best week in the entire season uh would you agree with that i i
1: yeah, i think it's definitely possible yeah and then we talked about this too but it, it really does feel like you know th- this whole deal is always just get in the playoffs and see what happens it really feels like the cubs are peaking at the right time
0: i mean like Corey, honestly i'm not trying to be a big homer here even though i am a big homer but who in this national league is up to the Cubs standards like honest to god like the braves are good don't get me wrong here but You know, they're not they're not the Cubs. They're they're really not the Cubs. And then the Phillies, they may not even get there. The Brewers and Cardinals are always going to be annoying. You go to the West and you have the Rockies, Dodgers, and D-Backs all struggling to some degree with injuries, with health, with consistency. Like the NL is not particularly strong. And the Cubs are getting hot at the right time. And they've been the best team in the NL for the majority of the year without most of their MVP guys like (laughs) this I don't know this is it's almost turning out to be ideal like I don't think you can ask for any more right now honestly
1: yeah I mean I think you know obviously that doesn't necessarily always mean anything in the playoffs but right it's a good position to be in and you know you certainly right you you run through that gambit of teams you want to be the one that's getting healthy and having guys get hot and and consistent at the right time. I, I think looking at the landscape, I would say that still the Dodgers are the ones that if they can get it together by the end of the month, their bullpen is atrocious and, you know, they, they just have not looked at all like the team that we've seen over the last couple of years. But I, I think they're the one that if they can kind of get it together by the end of the month, I think they're obviously the one that, that maybe scares you the most. Um, but it's it's yeah it's it's a good position to be in and and I think that with that I, I want to transition to one of the key cogs in in this whole thing and that is javi Baez and you know we've talked about this I, I will also point out I don't know if you guys can hear this or not but I did move a little closer to Wrigley Field than I was before uh, so I don't know if you can hear the rumbling of the Addison Red Line but I am very close to it so. If you're wondering if there's like a faint rumbling in the background, uh, it's Wrigleyville, so technically Cubs-related. Welcome to the Cubs-related <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All of the noise. To on be this Fair. Podcast, I didn't hear anything. Is, does, do you really hear that in your background? Oh, then never mind. I, I just figured I would clarify because I can certainly hear it. So okay. But, well, but either maybe, way, maybe, maybe we, I will.
0: I don't. I don't hear anything. But you know, I have bad ears. We, I can barely hear you. So you know. Yeah, we,
1: we stick to our promise that this is Cubs-related. We don't stray from that. So technically, <laughs> it's the Addison stop. It counts. But we've, you know, we've since we've been doing this podcast since uh, 2016. We've obviously covered a, a whole array of versions, if you will, of young Javier Baez and Brendan. It is crazy to look at where this man is today and the the accomplishment that he he reached this afternoon on Sunday against Aaron Nola. 30 homers, 100 RBIs, and I think you and I both would be some of the first people to tell you, like, yeah, RBIs, like, whatever, it's a team stat, you know, It, it it's, you don't want to use it to predict things or necessarily judge guys, but it, it, it's an accomplishment when no matter how you want to look at it, he is driving in these guys, he is bringing those runs in, and when you look at how many guys have done this in the history of the Chicago Cubs, 30 homers in a season, by a middle infielder. There's only three other guys, yeah. folks, in, in the entire history of the Chicago Cubs playing middle infield to put up 30 home runs. Uh, you may, I, I don't know how long some of you have been a fan, uh, but you may recognize some of these names. Uh, in 1929, Rogers Hornsby. Uh, several times, uh, <laughs> Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks. And in 1989 and 90, Ryan Sandberg. The only other person is Ednal Javier Baez. It's wow. really amazing. And I'm looking at another uh, tweet here uh, from the uh, Stats Inc. account. In the live ball era, only five Cubs have had a higher slugging percentage than Javi Baez through 500 games. His is at 470. Those five gentlemen. Chris Bryant... Ernie Banks, Gabby Hartnett, George Altman, and Billy Williams. Wow. Sunday was Javi's 500th game. So he joins uh, that list, or those are the only guys ahead of him in that sample. So I could go on and on with this, Brendan, but it is incredible to see where Javi is from when he came up to when he was a prospect and you know the the constant changes that we've seen from him to being you know not having enough discipline not taking walks striking out too much and you look at him today 30 homers 100 RBIs exiting this game his batting average is 300 i i am sort of at a loss for exactly I mean, how to put this into words but he's it's he's, reaching to watch. he's reaching his
0: ceiling he's reaching his ceiling this was his ceiling that everyone wrote about back in 2013 2012 when he was coming through the system this is the hobby bias ceiling that we all dreamed about A middle infielder with 35 to 40 homer potential, putting up MVP numbers at this age. Like This is exactly what you envisioned. Uh, Also, too, I want to just put this into perspective, at least for me, kind of my takeaway watching Javi do this. I'm left with one word, Corey, and it's patience. Um, You look at that 2014 season, 229 plate appearances. Are you ready for this? He struck out. In 41.5% of those plate appearances. 41.5%. He had a contact rate of 59%. It was one of the worst in the... I don't even know how you want to say this. Ever since that data has been tracked, that's the worst in one season in that sample. Very bad. 2015, he goes back to AAA. He has a great year in AAA. Best 324, 13 homers, 313 plate appearances. I think he has an injury that year. He gets called up by the Cubs. 80 plate appearances does you know pretty good 289, but only has one homer. Power not what you expect. Uh, 2016 has a more frequent role. Best 273, 14 homers and 450 plate appearances. Becomes NLCS MVP for the Cubs that year with your boy John Lester. Last year, 2017, 508 plate appearances. He's playing a little bit more frequently again. Best 273. 23 homers of 508 plate appearances. The power spikes up. This year, Corey, we all know the numbers 30 homers batting 300. This so is actually, sorry, yes, 299. Excuse me. We're oh my God. Up. I just want to Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry. We're off by one, Was it, thousandth of a point there? Uh, <laughs> so this is, yeah, this is honestly, this is, this is ridiculous. This is insane. I, I never thought, I'm going to be honest with you, I never thought Javi would get to this. Point. I thought what we saw in 2016 and last year would kind of be where Javi marks out, which I was completely fine with. A guy who was well above league average, who could, you you could slot in second base, third base, third base, right? I was, I was fine with that. This is exactly what I think everyone dreamed about. And when we compare where Javi was in 2014 as a 21-year-old to where he is now as a 25-year-old I'm still reminded the Cubs have other guys that are younger in the system like Ian Happ like even Addison Russell they have super young guys and even David Bodie is Javi's age we're not seeing the end of our other young former top prospects when I say our not ours but you know we're not we're not done seeing the rest of these guys develop and that's the point I'm making here and this year's Javi Baez Next year it could be Ian Happ. it could be Albert Amora, whoever you want to pick. That's the beauty about what we've we're seeing with this coaching staff. And I think Javi Baez serves as the example. Like, hey, we're not done yet. Like this this development, Theo and, and Jed and Jason McLeod's complete developmental program, we're not seeing the complete endpoint. And that is incredibly exciting, Corey. When you look at
1: this team getting healthier, obviously adding someone like Daniel Murphy, etc., it's even more I you know I don't want to say exciting but just to have Javi doing what he's doing not necessarily be shouldering so much of the load for this team because we've seen obviously through certain parts of this season where you know it's difficult to imagine what would be going on here if Javi weren't as hot as he was you know when when Chris Bryant was down and Rizzo was struggling early on in the year like they they needed Baez to be doing this. So it's pretty fascinating to look at all of this now with everything kind of coming together and and feeling more uh, complete. It's really something, man. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the the story of Javi Baez and where he's come from and who he plays for and, and what he's doing all of this for. And, it's uh it really couldn't be happening to someone who i think deserves it more who's worked harder for this and you know you just think about how much it means to him to do stuff like this you know whether it's important to everybody else that he hit 30 home runs and 100 RBIs it you know it's important to him and if he's able to do it in a year where he's helping this team win a division and win in the playoffs and potentially win a world series I, that's just got to be the pinnacle of everything this guy has ever wanted so it's uh, he breathes
0: baseball, man. Yeah, like we've said this before, but like Javi embodies baseball that is who he is, that is his identity. He even said it throughout all this postseason celebrations like Javi Bias is baseball, and yeah, like that. It, this really couldn't help happen to a better person just on that level. And when Clint Hurdle says things, even when Joe West like goes after Javi in that situation. That's just complete a complete misrepresentation of who he is as a person. So, yeah, man, like I don't think it could happen to a better person. The Cubs have a lot of good personalities and and great people on this team. But when you read about Javi's history with his parents and his brother and his sister, like it it adds to that satisfaction of of seeing someone succeed for this team.
1: Right. And, you know, I think worth mentioning, too, because obviously as this is going on, you hear so many people talk about whether he should be the MVP, his case and whatnot. Do you and think I do should? And think that that kind of what I was alluding to a moment ago is important, right? Like you can look at the numbers and make an argument for somebody else. There, There's people having better offensive seasons than him. There are guys who put up better defensive value than him. But I think when you consider the whole thing, that he is a star on – all facets of this game offense defense base running he is elite in those categories and in many ways i don't want to say revolutionizing them but we we certainly haven't seen anybody else uh draw such attention for his tags at second base we haven't seen right. anybody else draw so much attention for their slides at various bases like this guy is doing stuff and making the game exciting in ways that we just haven't seen but as it relates to his MVP case, he has been so important to this team that is now the, you know, and has been the best team in the National League. They have the biggest division lead in the National League, and they're firing on all cylinders. And, and like I was just saying, I really don't think that happens if Baez isn't mm-hmm. doing what he's doing and wasn't doing it from the jump at the start of this season. So yeah you know, how you vote on that, how you parse all that out is very, you know, uh, subjective. It's going to differ from person to person. Some people vote based on the numbers. Some people try to figure out who has the you know, most true value to what their team is doing. It's hard to say, but I think that at the very I will- least, it's a case that is extremely legitimate. And any, you know, kind of scoffing at, at Baez being the MVP or you know just outright disagreement in my opinion is just flat out wrong like if you have watched this team from day one he has been the heart and soul of this team since the first game of this season and I really don't think you could make an argument otherwise
0: yeah and here's the thing too Corey like if we just go based on whatever metrics you want to use let's use war from fan graphs right Javi after today is going to be a five five point zero war Matt Carpenter leads the NL in war at 5.5. Javi's number four in the NL. Between those two is Paul Goldschmidt at 5.1 and Lorenzo Kane at 4.9. Here's the, the, the differentiating factor. Javi's the only one that has played two other positions in the infield. Or just in general, honestly. So when you consider what has happened to this Cubs team this year, I think... When you say value to the Cubs, I think what that really means is just his flexibility, the luxury that the Cubs have that they can go out and acquire Daniel Murphy to play second base and move Javi to shortstop. Or when Brian has been injured, they were able to move Javi to third base. This is a huge luxury. And by doing so, Zobris could play more. And you can get more at-bats for David Bodie when he was even at second base here that's that's the luxury of having someone like a javi Baez play multiple positions so when we're talking about a zero a, a half of win a half of war difference between matt carpenter and javi Baez, that's a no-brainer guys that is a complete no-brainer who should be the mvp and you can take any metric you want and javi's going to be up there at the best so i i if the season were to end today, I I I really think it's a slam dunk that Javi would be the MVP. Um but I, I can see the arguments for Matt Carpenter with thirty-five homers, but I just don't think it cuts it. I really don't. When you get down to the nitty-gritty details, like and you consider what Javi has done, this is this is the most valuable player in the league here, Corey. That's what I really I think. I am not gonna
1: disagree with you. And uh, you know, look, I mean obviously I'm gonna like I'm not gonna pick a Cardinal over a Cub in this situation. <laughs> Uh, that's just or Lorenzo uh, Cain. Yeah, that's just something that's not going to happen. Well, I'd be more inclined to pick a Brewer than a Cardinal, but um, I, I, you know, look, I think, I think, re- I really do think we're being objective here. Um, I, I, I really think that when you put it all together, I, I do think that in the true spirit of the award, the Most Valuable Player, I, I think it's Baez. I, I really do, and um, you know, whether he wins it or not, I don't know, but it's amazing that he's been able to put up these numbers for, you know, almost here a full season because, you know, that was sort of one of his things or kind of the, you know, one of the hallmarks of some of his past seasons where he would, you know, look like this for periods, but not necessarily be able to sustain it. And boy, has he sustained it. So, that, uh, you know, just continues to be something worth monitoring. I feel like it's been a while, Brendan, since we really talked about it, because he just hasn't stopped. You know, we we talked right. about it early on when it was like, whoa, like, look at what Javi Baez is doing. And, you know, it takes him hitting milestones like he did today to, I guess, bring it out again. But I, I think the other thing I, I wanted to delve into a little more, I know you touched on it a little bit, but just what we saw from Chris Bryant a little bit this weekend, and mm-hmm. I, I think that you know one thing to remember is that he you know only has a, a couple of rehab games and is attempting to enlist this new swing or you know a new finish to his swing where he's keeping the two hands on the on the bat and not uh, taking off his right hand. And it was a little weird, Brendan. Like there, it's weird seeing him swing like that. I think we've all gotten you know so accustomed to his his classic swing and and that finish that it's weird seeing him uh keep both those hands on the bat and and try to do that but i liked what i saw you know i mean he he doesn't necessarily look like uh 2016 Chris Bryant just yet but you know there that obviously comes with time and you know you th- factor in that he on Sunday is second game back is going against one of the best pitchers in the league in Aaron somebody who's put up big time numbers but you know he gets three hits in the two games he's on base he's playing different positions I was pretty pleased with what we saw you know I think it would have been certainly reassuring if he had hit two 500 foot home runs I think <laughs> then we all would have been like oh great you know Chris Bryant's back but I think given that he was coming back from an injury and one that, you know, as we mentioned, Joe had already stated, you know, it's possible he doesn't necessarily have full strength uh, to what he's usually had. I think this was a a pretty solid start. And, you know, we're, we're getting good quotes from him. He's not sore. Mm -hmm. I, so I, I'm pretty pleased with how this went. And like you mentioned, kind of coming out of that recap, you look at this lineup and man, I, it, it's tough not to you know, kind of start drooling when you look at this lineup and, and some of the, the possible combinations that
0: Joe is going to be able to put together. Yeah, I, I think with Chris Bryant's just comeback in general, I said it last podcast, but I was surprised that he's even playing right now. Uh, just because we didn't really hear any specifics for a while there, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, if we get Chris Bryant back in maybe middle of September, I'll be cool with it. So to see him out there playing left field, right field, third base in one weekend against those pitchers and still putting up base hits like that, look, what more do you want to ask for? Like, of course, it'd be nice to see more power and everything, but just and maybe Chris is being a little bit, I don't know, not not facetious, but not giving into the media as much as he he may but if we're taking his quotes as 100% gospel like he's saying everything you want to hear like his shoulder seems very healthy seems to not be prohibiting him from swinging um so i think overall like this is kind of what you want to see uh and going back to those minor league games like he was hitting a lot of those baseballs extremely hard i know we didn't see it this weekend against the phillies but if you go back in iowa he had at least three that I would imagine would have been over 95 miles per hour in exit velocity, which is what you want to see. Uh, But, again, if if Chris Bryant even becomes 80% of what he did in 2016, this lineup is insane. I mean, think about this. And hopefully Wilson can can get back on track too, but... Adding Murphy on top of the order and just grinding these at bats, it reminds you a lot of Dexter Fowler, not to the degree of walking and taking pitches, like what Murphy doesn't really do well, but just the amount of pitches he sees and fouls off. And, and I think, I forgot who it was actually, but maybe it was Len was making the, uh, the observation that when you put Javi Baez behind Daniel Murphy, you get the entire menu of the other pitcher's repertoire you see Aaron Noah's curveball and his changeup and his two-seamer and his four-seamer before you even get up to the dish. Ironically, Murphy hit the first pitch of the game uh, to center field for an out, but you kind of get the idea there. Um, But yeah, Corey, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm extremely confident right now, just from all facets of the Cubs game right now, when it comes to KB, when it comes to the starting pitching, when it comes to the bullpen, when it comes to just everything, I feel this is everything that, you wanted to see come together back in July and June, finally coming together. And Chris Bryant is kind of the last piece to that puzzle, um, with Marl. But if things continue to go in this trajectory, this is ideal. For a moment there, when you were
1: searching for what to say, I, I really thought you were going to bust into uh, "I I I feel alive," like the the <laughs> Juliana Zobrist uh, Ben walk up song. I, I really thought you were going to do it. It would have been. I kind of regret
0: not. Do, I kind of regret not doing that, man. That would have been. When I thought I was like, "Oh my
1: god, Brendan's going to be really funny here." Uh,
0: I can't believe it. Well, you but, can't give me that much credit. If I if I went with the, if I went with the Zobrist and then uh, I feel alive, then it would have been perfect. I'll put that in my yeah. notes for some other time.
1: But. I, this this lineup is just relentless man and I, and I really liked it. Um I don't necessarily prefer KB in the 5, but we we obviously still well, kind of have to see You cl- better clean up on Sunday's game though. Corey. Yeah. So but yeah. I'm I'm talking about on Saturday when you had um Sure. KB in the 5 and then Schwarber in the 6. I mean, you want to I mean good luck to people, right? Like those for and and you know that's not to discount the guys at the bottom of the order because there's a lot of potential there as well, but when you have to get through Murphy Baez, Rizzo, Zobrist, Bryant, and Schwarber, (laughs) look, if you can navigate that without giving up runs or then congratulations, because like you were saying, and, and part of the deal with, uh, being able to see all those pitches by the time those first two guys bat is you are, you get every style of hitter so early in that lineup. And it's, it's so difficult to pitch to you get Daniel Murphy, who, like you said, he, he led off that game on Sunday with, uh, you know, uh, a one pitch at bat. Yeah. But in a lot of these games he started the game with five, six, seven. I think that um I can't remember if this game on Friday or Saturday, but it was nine pitches that he started the game.
0: Well even the homer he hit out. he hit Sunday was like a seven pitch at bat on that two two count. You know, like that's what I'm talking about. Right. So you know you get that. Then you get
1: a, a hyper aggressive will jump all over and kill you type of guy and Baez professional hitter with power gap to gap type guy and Rizzo another you know sort of Murphy-esque guy if you will in Zobrist where they're gonna see a ton of pitches great command of the zone excellent at making contact Chris Bryant you know MVP power guy and then Schwarber the if you make a mistake you know you might see this ball in a few years kind of guy it's <laughs> it's a tough lineup man but since we're we're kind of getting to it and obviously it it comes with the lineup construction i do want to talk about um another returning cub and that is addison russell and it's an interesting spot that we find ourselves in brendan and Mm -hmm. one that i know you were not too pleased with not necessarily the decision but that we've landed in this reality uh that he is not really the starting shortstop of the chicago cubs right now um Joe has talked about this and they've, they've made that pretty clear that uh, for right now, he's going to be primarily a defensive sub and, you know, they're going to mix and match these starts. Uh, but he did not come back and assume the role that he has occupied for a few years now, which is basically Addison is your starting shortstop. So right. as the resident Addison Russell expert, I think in society, um, well, well, much you. like you were I with Jake I will, will turn it to you just for some initial thoughts on, you know, maybe what you're expecting from him as he comes back and obviously
0: the decision to, uh, you know, limit his playing time. Having Murphy in the lineup is a necessity. Having Zobrist in the lineup consistently is a necessity. Baez, you can't remove him, right? So, like, this is just the natural choice you have to make. But it doesn't, in my mind kind of disclude russell from future talks about how you orient this lineup in 2019 in 2020 and 2021 the reality is russell is still 24 years old and he's been ravaged by injuries over the last two years and he's had many things go on in his personal life that that may have hindered his professional development as well there's a, and you can use those as arguments against Adson Russell's positive future. So I get that as well. But again, the reality is he is at the end of the day, an extremely talented infielder, offensively and defensively, when it comes to his potential, not his current value, but his potential value. And I think when I mentioned patience at the beginning of this podcast, when I was talking about Hobby. I think you can almost say the same thing about Addison, and we'll see what happens in this offseason here, but you can't deny that it is weird how Russell, as a 22-year-old shortstop, Corey, in 2016, hits 21 homers. Okay, 21, And this is before the, the ball was quote-unquote juiced, um, before that second half, or whatever those scientists are saying. 21 homers for a kid that age as a shortstop was a rarity, not even five years ago. He has that type of power potential. This year, whatever happened, I have no explanation for it. It may be the Chili Davis effect, if you will, with his contact-heavy approach. It could be injuries. It could be whatever. I don't have an explanation for it, but I do know, and this is where I'm going to you know, finish my thoughts here on this, one The potential is still there. I think the tools are still there. I think defensively, what we've seen this year have still been encouraging. If you go and look at any defensive metric, whether it's the Sabre Defensive Index, UZR, defensive run saves, Addison is still a top five defender. And even last year, Corey, in 28 or 2017, he was the Sabre Defensive Index number one shortstop in the league. Okay. So that's where we are with this. And if he can go in the offseason, get healthy get comfortable with his approach get comfortable with his entire offensive style if he comes back next year and goes off I wouldn't necessarily necessarily be surprised but as far as this season goes you can't play him like that's where I'm at with him you can't you can't play Addison that much unfortunately you got to give Murphy at bats we've talked about David Bodie but he's been hot recently he keeps making stellar defensive plays at the very least david bodie like addison is a defensive uh, I don't even know what I'm looking for, but he's still very quality as as a floor defensively for David Bodie. Um, so that's where I am. I think once the seventh inning hits, you can take Murphy out, you put Addy in, you move Hobby to second base, you keep uh, Bryant in thir- at third base or Bodie at third base, and you still get what you want. You get a quality defensive alignment during some of the game for the Cubs. Yeah, I think we've talked about this with other guys before,
1: and it's no different with Russell. It really honestly, shouldn't be different with most of these guys, uh, with, you know, a few exceptions because of who they are. But Russell certainly falls into this group that we've talked about before where, like you mentioned, he's young. You've invested a lot in him. Uh, He's provided some huge moments for you. And there's a reason you've committed so much time to him because you believe in what he's capable of doing. But there comes a time where you kind of have to make a decision. Are we gearing toward development or are we focused on winning? And you're right, the decision right now for this team, the 2018 Chicago Cubs as of, you know, early September is we need to be focused on winning. We need to focus on winning this division and getting into the playoffs and being strong and firing on all cylinders. And right now that just doesn't include Addison Russell playing every day and starting every yeah. day. And mm-hmm. You know, he obviously was dealing with an injury that clearly affects his swing, though there's, you know, like you mentioned, probably some other stuff going on there. Uh, but, uh, you know, without seeing a, a total reversal of that, you just can't do it. And, you know, you look at what Baez is doing and what Murphy's doing and, you know, Zobrist as well, like those guys deserve the playing time right now. It's, it's not... It's not an easy decision because you always want these guys to be getting opportunities. You know, you look at uh, obviously Hap, you know, with a homer this weekend, and but we've seen Elmora not necessarily playing as much as he has through other periods of this season, and you know that's just part of the deal. You get to a point where it's like, look, we don't we don't have time for this right now. There, there's a ton of time for development and trying to get these guys to reach their ceiling, like we talked about with Baez. But there's also a time where you need to say, like, what is the best decision for this team to win on a daily basis? And we're just at that point now. You're, you're in the, in, in the real stretch of this season and you, you just need to be putting your best foot forward on a daily basis. Unless, you know, there's those certain games like Joe talks about where guys need rest and stuff like that. But other than that, like, you really need your best nine out there every day and, trying to secure the w and you you really kind of don't have the luxury to be paying attention to all much else that being said i i do especially in the playoffs i I like the idea of the cubs we we should also mention that jason hayward is on the dl we didn't mention that um he's on the dl with a hamstring thing it happened in atlanta
0: Does not sound that serious though? Yeah. It doesn't sound that
1: serious. Yeah. They they weren't even necessarily going to DL him if they could have waited until the rosters expanded on September 1st, but they do. So he'll, he'll be back soon. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, hopefully it's, it's something that, that doesn't bother him and, and goes away because he's, you know, had somewhat of a resurgence here this season. So you always hate when stuff like that happens, but I, I do look forward to in some of these games, um, the the Cubs having kind of like a kill squad come out for these games. I I used to somewhat feel this way when you'd reach the eighth or obviously the ninth in, in some of those playoff games in 2016, where it was just like, all right, just bring in Chapman, let him do his thing and we'll get out of here. Right. He can throw 103, you know, 20 times (laughs) and it doesn't matter how hard Joe rides him because nobody cares about him. And that's it. So I, I I look forward to this kind of defense squad coming into games. It's a, you know it's almost like a, okay we've got a lead. Like here they come to bring shut this down. Yeah. And you know then you, you bring in Almora, you bring in Hayward if he's not starting already. You bring in Russell and you just you know maybe Bodie as well depending on who's starting but you just bring these guys in and it's like okay we're here to shut this game down you know we've decided that we're ready to win this game <laughs> and we're the group that's going to try to bring it home so it you know the, the the stuff with some of these individual players is obviously not going the way you would have liked uh some are going better some are going way worse it, it's all over the place but at the end of the day i think you know now is the time to really focus on the bigger picture, the 2018 Chicago Cubs and what their goals are as a team. And even if Russell is not contributing at the level we all would have hoped or, you know, Almora is not playing as well as he was earlier in the year and, and having such a big role, they're going to play big roles for this team. And, you know, even you look at someone like Albert Almora, you know, in 2016, he had huge moments in those playoffs and he oh, yeah. was not a regular player at all. Oh, yeah and you know he makes a huge catch in San Francisco they don't win that game if i'm remembering that all correctly uh no that but, was game
0: 3 they lost that game
1: yeah right but a huge catch to keep that game going and give the offense another chance which is a huge moment for and, and, such a young guy to come up with in in the in the playoffs and then too, obviously and, the tag up in yeah. game uh 7 of the world series like that's what this is all about and that is what is so exciting about this cubs team right now is that they have such depth that whatever they need to do you know we saw some of these uh september call-ups terrence gore one of them we mentioned that before like i'm not sure how they're going to deploy all this but they're going to have guys who if they need a quality like you would trust no one other than these guys to take a pinch hit at bat they've got those guys you need speed you need a couple stolen bases try to manufacture a run they've got it you need to replace half your defense with guys that are plus to elite defenders at various positions, done. We've got it. You know, you need a guy to be the third man up to try to save a game, got that too. (laughs) You know, righty, lefty, hard throwers, they've got it. And it, it again, it doesn't guarantee any success. But when you're looking at the quality of the teams across this league and what it takes to get through the playoffs, Cubs are very well suited for getting through the October gauntlet.
0: What was what I was about to say there too? Like even in 2015, like Javier Baez came in in Game Four of the NLDS and hit that three-run homer. He was not a significant part of that team to the degree of like Chris Bryant or Rizzo. So that that's that's another great point too. And I was actually thinking the exact same thing in that second game of the Philly series when David Bodie came in late, or maybe I'm forgetting all these other guys who came in late too. But the same can be said about Schwarber. You can deploy like the offensive reserves too if you want if schwarber does not start the game okay here comes the sixth inning now you have schwarber okay here comes Bodie to to, to go behind schwarber as a pinch hitter there's so many different iterations that you can make for this team right now from a depth perspective, offensively, no team has this depth. I don't think the Red Sox have this depth. The Yankees, the Astros. I think the Cubs are the only team that can afford the luxury of having someone like, uh, Russell come in. Like Russell's been the best defensive shortstop in the league right. for the last Four seasons, Corey, three and a half seasons. Like, no, not many, no team has that luxury. Um, when it's just, and, and, and it's just the way that the Cubs
1: don't even really bat an eye. It's like the guy who's their starting shortstop, huge moments for this team. Oh, he's hurt. He's putting up a terrible offensive season. Okay, whatever. We'll put another guy there <laughs> right. and he's going to win the MVP. Like, it's, it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And also, too, the, the thing is, we're not even talking about Wilson Contreras in this conversation, but, Let's say Wilson Contreras does get a little bit more rest now that the Cubs acquired Bobby Wilson from the Twins in exchange for former twin Chris Jimenez. So maybe, you know, Wilson will get more rest in the, in the next four weeks and he comes back strong for the playoffs. Wilson, if I need to remind you guys, he was the cleanup hitter going into this year and he was a cleanup hitter for a good majority of last year as well. If he gets back on, no pitcher can get through this lineup three times. That's a, yeah. Can gonna we be get impossible. like second half of 2017? Wilson Contreras. That's like, what I'm
1: saying. I don't know. Like, around October first, can we get that going? Right. Like, and uh, that's I'm all that, for
0: that. And that's the potential that I think you and I keep preaching. Like, of course, you're going to have your top five with who we talked about exhaustively here. But if Happ can get back strong, and if Hayward can come back healthy, and you know, Wilson gets a little bit more rest, like. Yeah, you have other pieces that could really carry you. And Hayward, Hayward batted second for like what is it, two hundred and fifty plate appearances this year. Even even Ian Happ was right. batting towards the top of the order. Albert Omoro was batting leadoff for like hundred and fifty plate appearances. If these guys get hot, look out. That's what I'm. That's 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 really the root of my confidence here. Is I think this team has so much potential, and in the, in the next four weeks. If someone gets cold or whatever, so be it. They have so many other pieces to step up. Uh, But since we've we've talked about so much of the offense here, I do want to mention some of the pitching. And I talked about Quintana a lot over the last few weeks. I think he was better in his most recent start. I did like, in particular, just the increased curveball usage. It was the highest amount of curveballs that he threw in one start this year, Corey. He threw 37% of his total pitches as curveballs. And I I noticed a trend, too. I know Hendricks kind of upped the curveball usage, and he was throwing more first-pitch curveballs, both Q and Hendricks were. So I don't know if that was just a, a game plan against the Phillies lineup, who are also extremely young and may not be accustomed to seeing those types of pitches. Nevertheless, I think even Montgomery, to a degree, was extremely encouraging. I say that because I wrote about this on CubsInsider.com, too. But he had the highest amount of whiffs per pitch of the season, Mike Montgomery. And he was getting through lineups, only getting one or two whiffs per start. He had 15 last start against the Phillies. 15 whiffs, by far his highest of the year, in 66 pitches. So... We talked about Q and Montgomery maybe kind of piggybacking in a playoff start. That is what you want to see. And when you look at your boy, John Lester, continuing to just basically navigate through any type of, of high-leverage jam and do it with success is remarkable. Hendricks continuing to look like his former 2016 self is remarkable. And Cole Hamill is continuing to give the Cubs innings, quality innings. Fighting is encouraging. The The lineup or the the rotation going into this series against the Brewers, I, I, I don't think you could have asked for anything else going into this week. I don't think so either. And you look at
1: just what they were able to accomplish just this weekend against the Phillies, and you get three quality starts. You get 18 innings of pitching, two earned runs, and 18 strikeouts for the Cubs starting pitchers against the Philadelphia Phillies, I, you know, I don't know really what more you want. And, you know, you look at, you know, even again, like Mike Montgomery, you didn't have the best start against the Braves, but that's a really good offense in Atlanta. And he was able to, in his comeback from the DL, keep the team in the game and they win the game. And then, you, you know, you have this weekend and that doesn't even include the guy who's been the best of all of them, which is Cole Hamels. So... Right. Again, you know, like I, I, I don't want to, you know, get too ahead of ourselves. But I, you know, look, like you want. We we talked about, you know, how tough this stretch was going to be, and how you wanted to take advantage of that Reds Met stretch right before it. And they're just doing the the Cubs right now are doing everything you could possibly want them to be doing. That they're yeah. they're getting good pitching. Their relief pitching has still been solid, even with Morrow still being out and them kind of, you know, musical chairing it a little bit uh, as far as what roles guys are playing. The offense is clicking. You're getting great starting pitching on a daily basis. And, you know, I think at the very least, too, on on just looking at the starters, like whether, you know, guys are peaking now or whatever, we're not seeing those you know, really questionable outings from some of these guys right now. And, right. you know, Quintana has has looked good. John Lester has looked really good since that stretch of, of really bad starts from him. Kyle Hendricks has been locked in for a while now. But, you know, at times earlier in the year, like, you know, it, it, he didn't necessarily look like vintage Kyle Hendricks. And it all just seems to be coming together, folks. At the and right time. You know they're they're they still uh, you know the full month of September here, so you know you you don't want to stop it now, right? Like you know playing like this now doesn't necessarily uh, mean much if you if you fade toward the end of September here. But you know this team really feels like they're gelling right now and and coming together and and you know for as good as their record is and you know how many games above five hundred they are and the division lead that they have really hasn't necessarily felt like they have. Been on fire and just that well-oiled machine for a significant period of time. You know, in, in contrast to like 2016 when it felt that way the entire season except for that uh, Small before the Bluff, All-Star yeah. break. Yeah, and it, it really feels like they're starting that now. And you know, again, it's it's not a perfect recipe for success in October, but this is exactly what you would want them to be doing. And I and I think you're right, Brendan. Like there's there's still some of these guys that are kind of laying in wait you know, who haven't even necessarily uh, contributed as much as we'd hoped to potentially do that. So it's, yeah, it's it's a really good time for this team. And I, I really don't think it can be stated enough uh, how impressive it was, not only for the offense and the def- uh the offense, but also the pitching, like right. both Everybody on the Cubs, right, they do—this is a team game, so that's how baseball works. I, I'm, I'm sure you guys needed me to explain that.
0: Yeah, thank you for that, Corey. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> but, you know, when when you as a team—again, the Mets stink. Don't uh, don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. The Mets are a joke of a franchise. But, Syndergaard, DeGrom, then you face the Braves, uh, a first-place team, the Phillies, a team that need these games to keep their playoff hopes alive, and the wild card of the division— and you beat some of their top guys like this is impressive from a team effort it took offense pitching relief defense everything to do it and the the cubs are executing they're getting it done so this was a really impressive week um for this team and and just a, a really solid time for for this team in terms of what they're doing so i i think it'll be very interesting as, as you know, they head to Milwaukee tomorrow, um, you know, because, look, you can't necessarily uh, put the final nail in their coffin, but you have a good series in Milwaukee here and you can probably stop worrying about the Milwaukee Brewers for the rest of this season. So uh, I think this all times out really well. And I look forward to to keep going here at this point i you know honestly i'm like kind of like fiending for the playoffs brendan it it just um it it's crazy to be in the midst of the cubs this close to making the playoffs for the fourth straight time i I honestly brendan this is just not something i really ever envisioned occurring in my life i i believed in the plan i believed in theo but you know like growing up a cubs fan especially i think when we did this is just (laughs) unfathomable really and i'm just itching to get it going like i'm I'm watching this team i'm seeing how they're playing and i i can't wait for them to get uh in that big stage and and hopefully do their thing
0: well enjoy it while you can because this this will all be over eventually you know that right like this era <laughs> this
1: i think era. that's the that's really the, the only <laughs> response any of us would have expected from brendan yeah, it's fun, but it's going to be over soon. It's and to be considered over, that we're
0: all going to be dead someday. So yeah, it's, I mean, we're all, we're all be dead one day too. But uh, no, <laughs> let's let's preview this this uh, Milwaukee series. So three games set in Milwaukee. By the way, I was looking at tickets, even like for you, Corey. If you were to go to the games, the ticket prices are insane for Milwaukee right now. On Tuesday and Wednesday, you can get tickets for nine dollars at on, on Um Which is mind-blowing to me because, you know, I just spent, like, gobs of money on on tickets for for other events, too. Um, Plus, I don't know if you heard, but the Bears got this, like, really good middle linebacker. I only say that because football is back. And SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether it's this pennant race that you want to go see, you want to go see the Brewers and Cubs, $9 on SeatGeek. Whether you want to go see the Bears, play the Packers on Sunday, you can get tickets through SeatGeek as well. Plus, they're fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Plus every purchase, like I said, is fully guaranteed. So you can, you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I actually have the SeatGeek app on my phone and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I've used SeatGeek religiously this season. I will continue to do it, even for football, for basketball this upcoming year as well. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. And... Corey, this is the meat of the schedule here. If the Cubs, let's say the Cubs sweep the series, you ready for this? There will be eight games up on Milwaukee with under four weeks left. If they sweep the series, this is almost do or die for Milwaukee. I hate to say it, but it is. Uh, so on that Monday game, you have Cole Hamels taking the mound for the Cubs with a complete record this year of nine and nine with a three point seven zero ERA. He has not lost a game for the Cubs this year. He'll be facing Zach Davies from Milwaukee. who's was 2-5 with a 5.23 ERA. Davies, kind of like Hendricks. You guys know the deal. You've seen Davies a lot, but he has 88 to 90-mile-per-hour stuff, some good off speed stuff. He's been injured this year a little bit, but he's back. And then on Tuesday, by the way, that Monday game starts at 1.10 p.m. Central Time. A day game on a Monday, an away game on a Monday and during the day is just not fair. Anyway, on Tuesday, that will be a 7.10 p.m. start time. And Mike Montgomery will be taking the mound. He'll be facing Wade Miley on the Brewers, who's 2-2 with a 2.18 ERA. Montgomery on the year, 4-4 with a 3.82 ERA. And then to wrap up this three-game set, you have Jose Quintana taking the mound against Julius Chassin, who's probably been the Brewers' best starting pitcher of this year. Oh, we get another this? Brendan Ball. I know. Oh, geez. No, don't even, don't even remind me of that. Brendan uh, Ball, part two. Uh, no, redemption. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully it goes better this time. But you ready for this, Corey? <laughs> Chassin, his record this year, 14 and 5. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought 14 and 5 Julius Chassin was a 3.53 year rate, right? huh? I don't know who would have thought that. Anyway. Me. Uh, I wrote an article. Yeah. About it. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, Quintana, 11 and 9. A 4.21 ERA, but has looked better in his most recent start. So that's where the Cubs are. Again, they're five games up of Milwaukee, five and a half games up of the Cardinals. And then just to wrap up this entire week, they do face Washington in Washington um, just to complete the entire NL East uh, ride, if you will. That's where we are, Corey. I think there's nothing in particular that I'm kind of looking for Uh I'm looking for wins. I don't really care about trends at this point. I would like to see Q continue to pitch well. But at this point, I think we know what we have in this team. We have a good idea of what they can do. And we've gone to the point where a win is a win, no matter how you get it. Absolutely. So the, the Cardinals will
1: deal with those very same nationals also starting on Monday, Labor Day. So hopefully uh, Bryce and company can help the Cubs out there. I, I did send to you before a <laughs> picture of uh, Chris Bryant's wife, Jess, and uh, Bryce Harper's wife. I'm not sure if uh, yes, they're married wife. or not. Yeah, they're wife. married. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were in the front row together at the Luke Bryan concert on Saturday at Wrigley Field. So. You know you can read into that however you want. Um I mean to me the contract is basically signed. That's that's that's, yeah, that's I mean, a sign. You know they're they're already enjoying the the perks at Wrigley Field together, you know, spending <laughs> some time in in center field, you know, reminiscing about uh their significant others batting together in the Cubs lineup. But that's a story for uh I'm sure they're, the t- they're talking about would, that too. <laughs> yeah, we've still got a uh we've still got a championship to win here. So, um yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I, we really are past the time, I think, of, you know, kind of nitpicking a lot of this stuff and, you know, worrying or, you know, uh, hand-wringing over some of this stuff. It's just—it really is just time to lock this division up and and get things into gear here. It's—you um, know, we've talked about this before. It's meaningful, exciting, first-place— Chicago Cubs baseball in September. I, I I really don't think that we can, we can stress that enough. Um, And, you know, we're not, I'm not going to tell anybody what to do, but I, I hope, I really hope that wherever you are and wherever you're listening to us, um, you're able to just like pause and enjoy this for a second, you know, because when you, you look on social media and stuff like that, so much negativity for a team that is uh, in such a good place. And I, I think that those, people are are more in the minority but you know sometimes it's hard to to peel back and and take yourself out of it for a moment and just remember like the the Cubs are the best team in the national league and they'll take the field against the Brewers tomorrow with a chance to uh, you know kind of step on the head of this annoying gross stupid little, little brother of theirs, right? Or however (laughs) you want to refer to the Milwaukee Brewers. And they can just dispose of them, Brendan. And it's just nice to take a moment to appreciate all that. It's it's, it's a really amazing time for Cubs baseball. And, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's just about getting those wins. Let's just keep everybody healthy. Let's get some wins. Try to wrap this division up as early as possible. And, uh, you know, use that time to kind of get everything in line however you want it. It's a luxury if you are able to do that, you know, have a little bit of planning time uh, if you're able to make the playoffs. So starts with Milwaukee. You know, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, You know, there's going to be a lot of Cubs fans at Miller Park. Uh, The Brewers fans obviously ready to whine and complain about exactly that, uh, that they can't sell enough tickets for a competitive team. And, you know, us Cubs fans have to come and fill out the stadium for them. But as you guys know we're happy to do it and uh those of you who will be in milwaukee i'm sure will be very loud and make your presence felt and elicit a few of those uh you know classic totally not cliche comments from all of the broadcasters involved like man it feels like a home game for the cubs um <laughs> i look forward to it and uh that's that's pretty much it brendan i i think that's it's it's pretty simple at this point you know i think you and i tend to uh Get into the weeds a little bit with some of this stuff, but as you head to September here, it's, it's pretty simple. Just win games. Fly the W, baby. You can find us on iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio. We are on Spotify, all of the major and normal podcast listening mediums. If we are not somewhere you want us to be, just let us know. As always, as we've been mentioning lately, uh, Blog Talk Radio is now Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. The Blog Talk Radio site uh, feed for our podcast no longer updates. Uh, So you do have to go to Spreaker.com and you can find it there. We, as always, appreciate you guys leaving those uh, comments and reviews on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app if you have the ability to get in there. We do appreciate it. It helps us, uh, and we do see those numbers go up. So that is uh, something we appreciate very much that you guys take the time to do that uh, and kind of uh, give a little bit back to us uh, as you listen to this podcast. But I think we'll leave you there, and we will talk to you after the Cubs, hopefully, hopefully. Again, they can't do it. Completely, but hopefully, we are burying. We are putting the final shovels of dirt onto the coffin that is the loser Milwaukee Brewers uh, at the end of this series. Brendan and I will come to you after that and get ready for a series with the Nationals. As always, we thank you for listening and go, Cubs.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran,